All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. <laughs> well, hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast, the podcast where we talk about those movies from that Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective. As always, my co-host is my hetero life mate, Robert Paul Johnson, also known as Trubster. He runs Trubster.com and a Thai restaurant, which amazingly enough, is still in operation despite the quarantine and shutdown. We're on, I think, day 41 or 42 around here up in uh, the great uh FEMA sector region uh, six or 10. I forget which one we're in, but I'll see you in the camps, buddy. How you doing, Robert, for this uh, episode 178, where we're going to talk about the movie Kick-Ass with a kick-ass guest who we'll introduce in just a moment. Well, I'm well-rested, a little bit disoriented and fresh-faced. So I don't know what combination of good and bad that is, but yeah, the, the business is going really, really well. Um, we got overwhelmed yesterday by a horde of hungry people that all wanted food. So it, we were a little bit unprepared, but we rallied together at the end and pulled off some hot teamwork moves. But it, definitely business is turning around. I think people are coming out more and more and being less and less afraid. I think we're down to about maybe 5 to 10% mask usage and similar with gloves. I think people are just fed up and ready to get on with life again. Yeah, I posted a C.S. Lewis quote uh, earlier today, and it was... Um... Gosh, I'm going to have to look it up now. Oh, bear with me, everyone, because it was really good. It's so worth it. It's worth the wait. And I'll just keep running my mouth for just a moment here while I pull this up. It's amazing what you can say when uh, you just have to fill some time on this uh, 178th episode of the show. We're going to talk about Kick-Ass, which is based on a Marvel uh, comic that came out a couple of years ago. Well, well over a couple of years ago. And uh, we have almost found it now. I have a George Carlin quote also, which is really good. I'll read that one first. I don't like ass kissers, flag wavers, or team players. I like people who buck the system, individualists. I often warn people, somewhere along the way, someone is going to tell you there is no I in team. What you should tell them is this. Maybe not, but there is an I in independence, individuality, and integrity. The great George Carlin. Uh, C.S. Lewis, just a moment. One moment, please. One moment. It is waiting. waiting. All right, the great C.S. Lewis said, free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. So I think that the lockdowns are squashing free will and making life less enjoyable and less of a standard of living for people who are living on the margin. So I think it's actually far more dangerous than any virus. And we're, of course, surrounded by three trillion viruses at any given moment. So uh, as we were saying in the pre-show, available for our Patreon bonus people, hit us up at actualanarchy.com slash Patreon. Uh, you can hear us talk with the great Raylene Kickass Lightheart, who is our guest tonight, about how uh, basically if you didn't have principles uh, during a crisis, you never had principles to begin with. And that uh, my argument is that nothing justifies tyrannical government, even if it was as bad as the projections they had said, where millions of people were going to die. Of course, they've revised it downward and downward by orders of magnitude. Uh, but the result is uh, my position has remained the same. Uh, Robert, your take before we get into last night's portion, Joe, and introduce her. 
uh, once again to the audience. Thank you, audience, by the way. Well, and I can't wait for all the excuses to come out. I think they already have, or maybe they will soon. It's like you don't, you know, you can't blame them for act or overreacting in a crisis situation or something like that. I think that's that was the excuse during the uh, the first Iraq War or the second Iraq War vote. Everyone was in lockstep. We need to go to war, and only later on did they go. Well, yeah, we were probably wrong about that, but at the time, it all seemed good. We were going off the information we had at the time. And I think that's the excuse that's going to happen now is that we are going off the information we had at the time. So we had to have all these authoritarian measures and thank God we did, or, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a heads they win, tails we lose either way that no matter what the numbers ended up being, and I had a post about this probably three weeks ago now, if it ends up being as bad or worse than they said, then that'll be the justification for harder, faster interventions in future crisis. And the other side is if it's far less than it would otherwise have been or was projected to be, which it appears like it's going to be, then it's, oh, look how great and fast we responded. Next time, we'll do it even faster and more harshly, and uh, it'll be even better. So either either direction gets you the same net result, unfortunately. Uh, it's not so much this crisis, which I think is a crisis, and the crisis is the interventions, um, but it's the next one. I think that's going to be uh, even harder, harsher, faster, stronger, and uh, more deadly. Yes. And as we know, government fails forward. So no matter how many times they fail, it's just a question if they didn't have the funding or the right people or whatever. But the excuse continues on forever ad nauseum. Bigger budgets, more power. And speaking of failure, let's get into the last nighters portion of the show. I. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson. We are The Last Nighters and we can be found on the Launchpad Media where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. You can also find our guest's show, Blast Off, with Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart. She is Raylene Lightheart and we will introduce her in just a moment after I tell you that she is not only a kick-ass guest, that we're going to kick some ass on this movie, which happens to be kick-ass, uh, and she makes a return to the show where we talk about everyday people becoming heroes and some of the consequences therein. Uh, this is episode 121 of The Last Nighters, and you can find the show notes more at lastnighters.com slash 121. We also had a very lengthy discussion in the pre-show about the coronavirus and quarantine situation, which is available for our Patreon supporters. So check that out at lastnighters.com slash Patreon. Throw a couple of dollars our way, and you can get all the juicy content, all the behind-the-scenes stuff that is too hot for TV, too hot for the live stream broadcast. And uh, welcome to the show, Raylene. Thanks. <laughs> I love you guys. And this uh, movie thanks. is fun. Yeah, well, you know, you did uh, suggest this movie, and I'm going to ask you why once we get going on this, but why don't you remind people um, what I just reminded them of, of what you do, where they can find your show, and uh, anything else that you feel that you want to share with the audience before we get into the show here. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, you can just, you can find me on Twitter at, like, Raylene Liberty, and you can find me on Facebook. It's Raylene Lethart, and I do a really fun podcast with like rockabilly music and libertarianism anarchy and um we do a lot of interviews with johnny rocket and he's like a pioneer in the libertarian podcasting to be honest one of the originals so highly recommend checking it out and uh also i think that part of anarchy is um healing our hearts and in that free markets uh those philosophies work with relationships too and so i i just want to tell everyone out there that this is for everyone, even your wives and girlfriends. So get them involved in anarchy and your kids. 
Yeah, anarchy is for people of all shapes, sizes, ages, and uh, the whole wide spectrum, which is a great thing. Now, mm -hmm. speaking of wide spectrum, you've been on the show many times and you're making uh, another appearance. So thank you for joining us once again. We haven't worn out uh, our welcome or your welcome or whatever Mike Malice says. Uh, mm -hmm. But you've been on with us for uh, When Harry Met Sally, The Karate Kid, yes. and Contagion with your husband. And now, yeah. so uh, we, uh, we always enjoy having a conversation with you. So thanks again for coming back on. But how we start off is with the old uh, Google description. I will go to Robert for his reaction from this. Uh, so Kick-Ass came out in 2010, but it is based on a comic book by the same name by Mark Millar and John Romita Jr., which was published by Marvel Comics. It's a comedy action film, one hour and 57 minutes, 7.6 IMDb, 76% Rotten Tomatoes, and 66% Metacritic, 91% of Google users liked it. The description is, using his love for comics as inspiration, teenager Dave Lazutsky, played by Aaron Johnson, decides to reinvent himself as a superhero despite a complete lack of special powers. Dave dons a costume, dubs himself kick-ass, and gets to work fighting crime. He joins forces with the father-daughter vigilante team of Big Daddy and Hit Girl, then befriends another fledging crime fighter called Red Mist, played by Christopher Mintz-Plasse. Not sure if I said his name right, but he is a scheming, oh, but a scheming mobster soon puts their alliance to the test. Came out April 16th, one day after tax day in 2010. Director is Matthew Vaughn. Uh, it got a box office 96.2 million US dollars and inspired a sequel called Kick-Ass 2. I did watch both of these back-to-back uh, -back, or one night and then the other, uh, the second night. So that would be fully equipped. I also took very, very little in the way of notes. Uh, and um, if I could uh, just throw a little uh, in living color in there, uh, my review of this is two snaps up or two snaps down and a circle. Hated it. What do you do, Robert? Wow. Wow. Hated it. Daniel playing his cards early. Well, from the very prolific mind of Mark Millar, I think I've heard his name pronounced differently, but I don't care. Um, comes Kick-Ass and many, many other comic book properties, if anybody is familiar. Uh, he's got so many different titles that they call it the Millarverse. And he, I think a lot of his stuff was basically written, they're played out like screenplays. So I think he was trying to get a whole bunch of movies made. And uh, he's a fun writer. He's a fun kind of sardonic, witty, fun, jokey writer that also has a lot of um, extreme violence and um i don't know he just he just writes fun stuff so i i've always been a a fan ever since i started reading him gosh back in the 90s i think or the early 2000s and um i don't know if this is necessarily my favorite of his works but i can see why it came to the screen um it seems like a, a bit on the low budget side a little bit of a hacky with the violence and the special effects are not not super great i think they could be done with like a laptop today and like some after effects but um I, I think it's just a yeah a fun a fun flick and it's funny that you had such a well we'll see what your entire reaction is and how negative and why that is because you can't take this movie too seriously you just can't it's not meant to be taken seriously i think by anybody yeah yeah well i i i am up to the challenge i think uh my my loathsomeness is going to be on wide display tonight um now raylene i know that you like this movie you already told us this in the pre-show and you suggested this movie so i'm going to give you the question why did you suggest this movie and then uh, get your reaction to the description description and robert's uh information try to try to withhold um, my hate for the movie uh until until later yeah so you we were talking about doing a show for mother's day so i was like let's do kick-ass because there's no mom and like how because i think nick cage being a mom is funny and um 
because Nick Cage, I literally in my notes, I literally wrote Nick Cage, LOL. That was enough for me to write down. Um, And I think this is not a great film. It's just really fun. Um, I, I just think it's super campy and super silly. And I enjoy a, I enjoyed it like the movie Armageddon. You know what I mean? Not a great movie. It's just fun to watch and it makes me laugh and I just can enjoy it. Um, but I did like that it talks about the themes of determination, personal responsibility, vigilantism and the ups and downs of that and what is worth fighting for. And if you have something to live for, would you do it? Um, and I also kind of like the theme of approaching all things with the passion and a wonder of a child, which they did a really great job with. Of course, she was murdering people and enjoying it. But um, aside from the, the kitschiness of that and the uh, the obvious uh, juxtaposition of the innocence of a child and murdering evil people. Um, I, I really enjoy children and how apt they are at things. And I think that's fun. Yeah, this movie is over the top schlocky fun. And <laughs> I dare you, Daniel, to tell me differently. You can hate it all you want, but don't tell me it's not over the top schlocky fun. It is over the top and it is schlocky. <laughs> But not Ooh. in the. Uh, I feel like this is already a dated film. Yeah. I know it's only ten years old, but it seems to be on that trailing end of the mid two thousands raunch coms that were very very popular back in the day. And I was a big fan of many of them. But it feels like this is on the back end of that, and it tried to I don't know maybe uh, do a bit of one upsmanship, and, and then I think it falls a little bit flat as a result. But I don't know if they make this movie this, the same way. I didn't. I was not entertained watching this i was like this is dragging on forever forever just to get to the point um now i do appreciate that there is some personal responsibility and there's a determination in nick cage nick cage's character to right wrongs and to hone his child into this prodigy to be able to right those wrongs though you almost get the the vibe that it's like this overbearing parent who's forcing their kid to like learn ice skating or ballet or or whatever. I have a note know. about that asking to what end and is this child abuse? Um, so I, I also had that same issue. Yeah, it definitely felt like a parent living through their child, almost like with the. Um, with it's the, trauma. Uh, trauma in the abuse cycle is always repeated. Okay, so we could take it like old school biblical sins of the father. We can talk about new agey um, and, and being able to heal the mother and father wound, or you can never do it for your own kids. We can take it to basic psychology. And this is the abuse cycle is what that's called. So Nick Cage's trauma of being framed, not being able to trust a cop, not being able to trust any uh, the, the state to be able to stop these horrific gangsters, okay, has a daughter. He lost the daughter's mother. The daughter lost her mother because of what happened, which was completely unjust. So they don't trust anybody. They even said that. They, they said, we don't trust anybody. That was a line in the movie. So that, uh, that trauma made him want to make her tough and strong and capable of surviving on her own, although it also could have further damaged her, even though he meant well to fix what, what happened for him. You know, a lot of times we mean well with when we're trying to raise our kids, but we don't understand what's actually healthy, right? Right. And of course, you know, no one's in a better position than the parents of the child. I mean, a third party looking in, mm -hmm. they know so little about it. And uh, it's only with the state that you really have people intervening and oftentimes making things much, much worse. Much worse. But, um, I did 
just kind of correlate it to the, the, the parents who try to live through their kids and push them into sports or something like that. And, and even to the detriment of the child, even though the, the kid, especially in this movie, she seems totally into it, but in a way he's created this little monster because many of the um, killings <laughs> that mm-hmm. she does, I think are beyond the self-defense, the point of self-defense and it's enjoyable it's, for her, right? In, in a sadistic way and, and, and goes well beyond, you know, violating the NAP. I mean, especially when uh, they go into um, one of those houses and she's killing people who are just doing drugs, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the girl, like the woman, house. the girl, the, 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 the junkie lady with the boobs. Is it? Is yeah. That who? Trying to escape? Yeah. She's and like, she's like you want to play? Out. And I'm like, relax. Like I didn't like that either, actually. Yeah. But anyway, I, I wanted to back up um, the one note, the one note I have in this entire movie is the scene where uh, what's his name? Dave, and his buddy get robbed of their cell phone by these um, street bullies. Hood, street bullies, bullies. Yeah. And then he later encounters them trying to break into a car and he tries to step up to them and, and stop them and whatever. Oh, wait, no, no, it was the original um, bullying. Uh, they, they look up at a window and they see a guy who sees the uh, engagement happening and then he draws the curtains. And that reminded me of the, um, speaking of basic psychology, there's this famous story, Kitty, Kitty Genovese, who apparently was being assaulted for... Uh, hours on end and ended up being killed and dozens of people heard her cry out mm-hmm. and they all uh, refused to do anything about it because they were aware of other people um, n- having knowledge of the situation, uh, being aware of the situation. So uh, it's this concept of diffusion of responsibility. So basically nobody felt it was their responsibility to do anything because they just assumed that the other person would do something about it. Now, I don't recall exactly what um, the flaw in this is. I remember hearing the story when I was getting my psychology degree and they, they took it for face value as a demonstration of this diffusion of responsibility. And it does make sense to a point, but um, beyond that, I, I think that in more recent and by more recent, I mean, the last five or 10 years, I encountered something that said like the, the story that you hear about Kitty Genovese is not exactly accurate that, that how it's portrayed um, where there were dozens of people and it was ours wasn't exactly correct. And uh, so it, it sort of, I'm going to have to find that article posted on the show notes page, lastnerds.com slash 121. But that was that was a point that um, I saw in this because the guy does see them getting assaulted and he just turns the other, you know, turn, turns the other way. And unfortunately, I feel like um, I might be in a similar situation sometimes. Like my neighbor, who has since moved away, used to run his mouth quite a bit and instigate things with people or at least respond in such a way to where it would escalate a situation. And uh, he would get into physical altercations with people and I would see this and not intervene. I didn't want to be involved. Yeah. And, you know, I would have done the same. Yeah. And it's, you know, the Seinfeld thing, like, you know, the Good Samaritan law, like, I'm not going to get involved unless, I don't know, maybe, maybe in a certain situation I would, but I knew enough of the circumstances to not want to be involved. So I kind of felt like I was the guy closing the curtains uh, when, when I saw something like that. But uh, I just want to see if, um, go to, go to Robert, your reaction to any of that. And then we'll go to really. Well, I can't share something that just, you just, you just mentioned something that reminded me of something that I I was that guy. I've been that guy and um, I continue to be that guy and I can't really talk about it. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to, at least not here. I can talk about it privately, but mm-hmm. not on the show for sure. Um, you could put people it, in danger potentially. So absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, well, it does remind me of the state a lot of the times. And I know we talk about the state all the time, but with the state, you have this diffusion of responsibility. And like, you know, you assume that, well, this is being looked after. This problem is being taken care of. The people that are on it, or mm-hmm. the people that you know take our money to do it, 
so we don't have to actually be responsible to do it for ourselves so mm-hmm. yeah i could see that yeah there, that's a good point uh the red cross back in uh gosh the 1920s i want to say actually turned down a grant from the government because their reasoning was well if everyone hears that we got a couple million dollars from the government then they're not going to give us donations and we'll actually get far more in donations than what you're going to give us but if they hear about it they're not going to give us anything because they're going to assume it's already been taken care of because you're going to give us such a big number right yeah like yeah, that makes sense. So I'm going to jump in here and say this, that nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to get hurt. We have a society of people who don't even know how to protect themselves. They don't even know they can protect themselves. They don't understand that they should protect themselves. So this is all that comes down to self-ownership. And not all, people want their freedoms, but they don't really feel, they don't, they don't understand that it's their job to be responsible for, the, for themselves. And a lot of people who even know that don't know how. Um, and that is, again, another version of generational abuse, in my opinion. And a lot of it is because people are our parents and grandparents were all in a cult, a cult of statism. So that is what we are all trying to break ourselves free from. So it's we are so far gone from everybody packing. Um, a, a lot of people don't carry weapons. I I went with a friend to did I tell you guys this, that uh, I had a, a friend and she became a libertarian that's and so we kind of became friends and and she was in a bad relationship and I think there might have been drugs involved um but I I don't know and she was trying to get away from her husband and she asked me to go with her to the court to support her in holding up this um temporary or a uh, custody thing cuz protection order because the cops were coming and it was this thing so I go with her she stays at my house her kids are at my house and um and I'm very low drama. I have no drama in my life. That's that's why this was and and like Robert and you're like, yeah, no, I don't want drama. I don't either. And um so but I went to court and he wasn't there. So they award her the the temporary order and she, he shows up and so you have to go to the clerk's office and get something printed out or something, right? And so we go up to the clerk's office and this guy shows up and he is high and um, and I don't always know when people are high cause I'm an idiot. All right. I don't understand when, when people are on drugs. It, I am like, you know, like the grandma that never knows anybody's on drugs. That's me. I'm that's, a, that's who I am. So, but he, I've never seen somebody I thought had demons in them, but his face had like these moving shadows and it was underneath the skin. I could see it, it, it was frightening and his eyes are bugging out of his head and he comes for her and I start yelling for help. And I'm so, I was so annoyed because I was going to the courthouse. We're not packing, right? I don't want to, you know, it, you got to go through a metal detector and it's a whole thing. And so, and the dumbest thing I've ever done. Uh, I was like, I'm never going to go without a weapon again because he came for her. It took them over half an hour to get him out of the courthouse after there was already a no contact. So they could have just arrested him. They didn't arrest him because the state is completely useless. They He's threatening her life. And they're like, and they came in, one of the clerks came and told me that he was threatening her life and they still are just like, get out, get out. And they finally come back and go, okay, well, you can go to your car now. He's out of the building. He went that way. Don't go that way is what they said to us. And this is a courthouse. This is, this is, these are the people that are supposed to be protecting you, right? Like this is insane. So I just want you to know, this is my own personal experience. And I said, I'm not walking to the car without somebody asking. I want a police escort. I'm not walking to the car right now. We are not going to the car. He's going to be out there. I just knew I saw him. He was, this was insanity. I, I knew, I know crazy when I see it. I know crazy when I see it. I don't know drugs. So, um, 
the security guard, a 69-year-old man with a white mustache, you know, walks us to our car. And while we're walking up to the car, he's standing on the street. And here comes this dude driving by. And again, I saw through the window moving dark, cloudy shadows over his face. I'm not even kidding. I didn't think that I could see demon possession, but I swear to gosh, I did. And then he's like, this guy goes, he goes, keep going, keep going. And he's like screaming at the security guard on the street. And then he drives off really fast. And I am just like, you know, fight or flight. I'm the adrenaline. And I'm like, he knows where I live. My children are there. I am like, so I'm like, we got to go get in the car. Let's go. And I'm like looking everywhere because I, I, cause I'm not stupid. Right. And she's like, oh, you're just being a little bitch. And, and this is a person who's an abuse or whatever. But I, he came after us and hit us with his car. He hit us in the street. He found us. He was waiting for us in an intersection. He hit us with the car and then we sped off and we did 90 in a 30 street around traffic, dodging cars. And she pulled, she got so far ahead because uh, of the cars getting in the way of him that we had to pull off. This is last year. This is just a little over a year ago. And we had to pull off and hide behind someone's house in the, with the car. And we waited two whole hours for the cops, two whole hours while on the phone with, on my, I was on 911. So here's the thing. Don't call cops, right? But call cops. I mean, what call you pay for them, call them, whatever. I don't care. But they didn't do anything for us. And if he would have hit the car and we could not have started the car up again or got off of his car because they were crunched together, he could have totally shot her and me. I mean, you have to be personally responsible and be able to handle yourself because cops are not going to protect you. They don't prevent crime. They only show up afterwards. You People need to be prepared for these things. And until something like that happened to me, I didn't really understand how it's not just possible, but it it can happen to regular people with no drama in their life. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of thing that I wish that people would have helped us. Um, and I try to help people, but you got to be careful who you're helping and what you get in the middle of too, right? Because um, I didn't need to go to court that day. And, you know, I was scared to death of him showing up thinking that they were my house. You know, we have all the guns ready to go, but you don't want to get in a gunfight. I didn't want to get in a gunfight. I thought I might. It's crazy. Me. Yeah. Well, this, this went sideways. <laughs> That's a nuts story though, right? That's anybody could have that happen to them. Me. I don't like you guys. I sit here. I don't wear makeup. I'm watching TV. This is, I'm like eating popcorn at night. I'm playing board games with my kids. That's my life, right? I'm playing with ducks, baby eggs. That's what I'm doing. Like that can happen to anybody. So we have to be prepared. And if we were in a better community and we were more like that, wouldn't we look out for each other more? If we didn't have the police and the and the diffusion of responsibility that comes with it, you know, the assumption that somebody is there to take care of our security for us when, uh, as Liberty Weekly has done several episodes on the Supreme Court has ruled they have no duty to protect and you can't sue them Mm -hmm. for failing to do so. They called it a slogan. Right. So I like that the whole point was this kid wants to be Ariel. He actually asked a question. He says, doesn't everyone want to be a superhero? I mean, I wanted to ask you guys. Is that something that you wanted to be a superhero? Is that something you wanted? I'll let Robert, you take that one. And uh, you're the comic book guy. You want to be a superhero? Well, I think it's obvious. But yeah, of course I did. Of course. I think everybody's got, well, I don't know if everybody's got that power fantasy, or at least men do, mm-hmm. this desire to protect and to help other people. And I love that. You know, super superpowers allow you to do it more effectively and better, I guess. Or I don't know, better. I, I like that there are, you know, powerless people, kind of like kick-ass, Mm-hmm. Kind of like Batman or any other, you know, human that just steps into that world of superheroes and uses the power of their mind and their abilities. I mean, not that or sheer will, no. right? Sure, yes, sheer will. That Absolutely. is, I, I have to say, that's my favorite part of it. Is that 
because he's just a regular guy. And so are we. We're just all regular guys, right? And I I absolutely want to protect people. I absolutely do want to do something about it. And I hate that the state has a monopoly on violence. I hate that I can't walk around with my neighbors and be like, hey guys, if we have to shoot people, do you want to do this and have network on how we're gonna like like make sure nobody like comes in and like the, you know, you gotta be careful. You don't want them to <laughs> like why do you do that? We we it's so weird out there. There's so many statists, it's very hard to to know how to do it. But I, I actually really like that people want to stand up. I mean, with all the corona stuff we were talking about in the in the other show, you think about I want these boomers that aren't afraid, all those boomers that say they're not afraid, then get the fuck out there and protest for us so we don't lose our kids. Like, can we just stay home and you go do it? Can you please get out there and go fight for us, please? Like, we we need people out there fighting for us in all different kinds of ways, not just for muggings, but from our freedoms being taken. And so something about that makes me, warms my, the cuckles of my heart, you know? All right. So sweet. <laughs> so what did you guys, you two parents, getting back to this film that we're supposed to be talking mm-hmm. about, when Nick Cage is training this daughter, you know, pageant mother style, and it's she seems to be enjoying it, but we're not sure. And you can't really be sure because she can't give consent because she's a child. Uh, there's at one point in the early in the movie when he shoots her wearing a bulletproof vest. I, that scene seemed highly irresponsible to me as a non-parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd call it child abuse because... I mean, who's really to define what parenthood is and what's best for the child? Like Daniel was saying earlier, like if there's a movie, um, Captain Fantastic, where uh, Viggo Mortensen has his family in the woods and people would argue that that's child abuse. I love that movie. Because, you know, they're not in the school system and they're not, you know, in a house with central heating or whatever. But I wanted to get your guys' opinion on how much you supported Nick Cage in this movie and how much you, you didn't support him. How, how much you thought that he was going to be wrong there. I'll go to Daniel first. Oh, uh, you would go to me. All right. Well, my thoughts are that uh, I like seeing Nick Cage as what Batman might've been had it been Nick Cage because he was almost indistinguishable from uh, Batman other than being called Big Daddy. And I thought he did uh, a fairly fine job. I actually liked him more as Big Daddy than as uh, the father character where he was a little bit over the top Nick Cage style where sometimes he's like amazing as an actor and sometimes he's so fucking hammy that you can't stand it. And when he was like doing his whole, yeah, baby girl, you know, that whole thing, I was like, oh man, this is, this is one of those Nick Cage movies. (laughs) This isn't leaving Las Vegas. All right. But uh, my, my thoughts on the, uh, the, the shooting of the, um, bulletproof vest on this episode of jackass uh i thought was totally irresponsible and completely ridiculous and uh, very very unsafe i wouldn't go as far as to say it's a child abuse per se because she did um i think say that she was okay with it though you're right there is that consent issue i mean she does seem very very young in this and consent is a you know it's kind of a sliding scale it's like it's a subjective thing based on the the uh, maturity of the individual and, and the capacity to reason uh, in, in that particular person, that individual, but, um, in jackass or kick-ass too, see this practically is jackass, especially when they're doing fucking stunts like this, but in, um, kick-ass too, she does the same thing to kick-ass because she starts training him and he's like, no, do not shoot me. And she does it anyway. So that one is definitely, um, a violation because he did not agree to do it. And uh, she does it anyway. And then she does it again with, uh, I think, a 357 Magnum or something like that. Like, originally, it's like a 9 mil. And it's like, okay, you know, this doesn't pack as much of a punch. You'll, She actually calls him a whiny little bitch and then shoots him. And then uh, uh, she does it again with his with his bigger gun. And it's it's meant to be played up for laughs uh, in, in the movie. 
Um, but when it's the kid, yeah, I can't help but feel like something's not right there. And it's definitely not a safe thing to do. Uh, it, it violates so many rules of uh, firearm safety that um, I just can't, uh, I can't support it. And, and to see it depicted in film, um, I, I wonder if this would be one of those things that people would uh, maybe try to emulate. And, oh. you, you know, you'd hear about it later, like, you know how when people were like um, in a, in certain movies, uh, forget what it was, maybe Ten Things I Hate About You or one of those other like teen dramas where they're doing like some prank with like laying in traffic and then people were actually fucking doing it. And Are you kidding? Um, if it would be something along those lines, but yeah, I I I, I support Nick Nick Cage as Batman. I don't support Nick Cage as his um, Bruce Wayne version in this one. I thought he was super dorky, and I thought that him uh, shooting his daughter uh, was uh, was over the top and. Uh, uh, probably not uh, something I would support doing. But what uh, about? Okay, okay. So you're not supporting him with the shooting in the, in the that actual one scene. But what about the overall parenting of training her to be this assassin with him, this co-assassin taking down this mob family type, the mob organization, where he's like actively training her to murder and then helping her murder people. I mean, would you? I don't think you support murder. I'm pretty sure you don't. You also don't support uh, a violent state that comes in and kidnaps kids away from their parents. But mm -hmm. I think you might, I'm asking, do you support some sort of, do, would you feel justified going in and rescuing her, rescuing her away mm -hmm. from him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you only see so much in the film uh, and it's also, of course, a film not to be taken Take seriously. It seriously. We're right? taking it seriously here on the show. <laughs> what we do, Daniel, come on now. But yeah, I, I mean, she seemed into it. I Unfortunately, because she didn't have the capacity to fully reason, uh, as an adult might, a fully developed adult. Um, I think that he was sort of creating this Frankenstein's monster where she would do things without having any restraint. And so that's why she would go over the top and um, mm -hmm. uh, aggressively kill people, not in just a capacity of self-defense. So in a way, he sort of unleashed a monster because he was only training her to be this lethal weapon and not teaching her how to have any restraint mm -hmm. and, and when to employ those skills that he was imparting into her. Mm -hmm. Nice dodge of the question, Daniel, as usual. Raylene, I, would you I'm like ready. to actually answer? Yeah, I'm going to answer all the questions. Um, so here's the thing is if I could befriend the family, then I would definitely want to have an influence and help. Um, I, I think that overall, this is a comic booky type movie. And I even wrote cheesy acting. I love it. Okay, because that's what the kind of movie this is. And so there I'm there for it because of that. Um, but I don't like that when they're trying to be taken seriously. So in this scenario, I enjoy it. Um, and I, I mean, I literally wrote Nick Cage, LOL. Um, so I wrote to what end is this child abuse? First of all, they don't follow the NAP. They don't handle it the way that you or I would, um, which we talked about. And I, there's a, a lot of cool stuff here about parents that I wrote. So I wanted to talk about after kick ass gets stabbed and put in the they and then he talks the, to the the emt about don't tell anyone i was wearing this costume so then they say that he was naked so then his dad comes up and and asks him if he was raped and i know it's it was a strange scene but i'm really glad that they showed that the dad cares about his son and, and actually communicated and asked about that because in that scenario we there are so many parents that don't want to know 
if something bad happened to their kids. And that's why these kids let these things happen to their kids or get in situations like that. And, and so, um, we're really seeing the, uh, the outcry with the me too movement and then the elite pedophile ring and how many people are so vested in that because we find out that sexual abuse is something that I had no idea how many people in this world have experienced. So I'm really glad that that was an episode or that was a moment of good parenting that I wanted to bring up. Um, I also, uh, liked the juxtaposition of the mafia dad who is overprotective of his son, but doesn't seem to actually love him. And he doesn't seem to respect or care about him. And he hasn't raised him to be self-sufficient in any way. Um, and, and because they were all looking at him like he was rich and I didn't understand that he was the mob kid, um, a mob kid, uh, but they were saying that um, no one will mess with him. And I thought it was because they had a bodyguard because he was rich. And then you see that scene where they get in the car and his dad's going to take him to a movie and there's be someone being tortured in the background. Do you guys remember that scene where he's there here, he's here in the torture and they're just chilling, talking about popcorn. And then the dad's like, yeah, I want an icy. I want it mixed. And I, I thought it was fun the way that they showed how callous his son was and how they, that's how he was raised, even though he was super protective of him. Okay. So, now, if they were fighting the the Nick Cage and, and the and the little girl, uh, hit girl, were fighting for justice and it was helping people, then it makes it a little more of a, a polar opposite, right? Because there is so much trust between the two of them. It was obvious trust if we're taking this seriously. Now, I don't believe that it was informed consent. Um, she did make a point of saying that she was scared of getting shot. And that's why I'm, I'm not I'm a big fan of that uh, scene specifically. Now, if we are to take this and really look at it, obviously look at what a marksman he is. Look at how he makes no mistakes and look at how she makes no mistakes. So he must be that good. And that that isn't dangerous because he's done all this research and they have all the best things and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's kind of the comic booky um, takeaway that I think that the majority of people were supposed to have in that. Um, I, uh, so based on if he was really that good and if it was really that much of a risk. And then at the end of the movie, she said, wow, it hurt way more when getting shot than, than when you did it. And he's like, Oh, it's because, cause it's all burned up. And he says, Oh, it's cause I, I use something less impactful. It's cause I love you. You know, which was, I'm laughing my ass off. I'm just watching it for fun. I am laughing my ass off. So I thought that was really funny that they even brought that up. Like, maybe for people like you, Dan, like to make you feel better about it. I don't even know. What was the point of that? I was just laughing because it was so bad. It was hilarious. And then um, I liked that they did the, the they they tried to make it a super, char- this is the part that we hate, the bad acting, the super charming, like cleaver moment between Hit Girl and Big Daddy. But then she's swearing and saying the F word and they're like talking about weapons for her birthday. Now, obviously it's meant to be funny and it's meant to be shocking because they are so, they love each other so much and they like live for each other and they are so close and they know each other so well. And so obviously any children that we know in our lives right now, no. Okay. But in an alternate reality, where they, she was not raised in this society. And we go way back and, and people were, were getting married and having children at the age of 13, 14, and 15. Okay. So technically, 
in another world, in another place, being raised very differently, maybe it was an informed consent. Maybe she he got her when she was five, though, so I really doubt that. Um, and then would I take her? I don't think I would steal a child, um, but I would definitely try to appeal to a parent to raise their child if they would let me. Yes. Okay, well, you use the word steal there, which makes you th- it makes me seem as if you wouldn't feel morally justified in rescuing her, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you um, don't think that she was in Well, cuz she wouldn't believe that she well, here's why. Because if the child wants to leave, then they they can leave, right? If unless you're brainwashing them to do it. I mean, it's always so subjective. I mean, it always is. You're totally right both of you. But if she wouldn't want to leave, she didn't want to go anywhere. She was happy. And she was fine. She was definitely happy. Now, do you believe that's some sort of Stockholm syndrome kind of thing? Or is, I mean, are we just not understanding all the possibilities of raising a child? And this is one of the viable ways of doing it. Oh, oh my gosh. So <laughs> we're taking a corny movie and we're digging way too deep. Into yeah. This. We're not digging way too deep. This is right. This is what the show is about. <laughs> yeah, it is about. Okay. So I'm going to say this. Uh, I don't think I would be capable of stealing that child because I think I'd get killed. You and would then definitely get killed. Them. They'd kill me. Yeah, Nick right? Cage would. They would both would kill me. They would both kill you. Yeah. So honestly, I'm just going to, if we're going to do it like that, I'm going to say, no, I couldn't. I'm not going to use the state to but do it. But would you feel justified? No, no because, because I think she's too stealing. independent and I would think I would want her, I would want her consent. That's, that's how I would do it. I would but say, like, if I thought I had a better consent. life to offer, then, then she would, I would, she would have to consent. Otherwise, she's just going to fight her me. What does consent mean? Well, that's a hard one, isn't it? So that's a, a question for the ages. What does consent mean? Um, I think understanding. What? Okay, this is a big one. So are you guys ready? People make choices about themselves as children based on what they've experienced. Some and the choices that they make afterwards are the the only choices they think they have. And when we all made bad choices in our lives, anytime we've made bad choices, a lot of times it was because we didn't feel like we had better choices. And then, you know, as you get older or wiser or honestly heal, you see that there could have if you would have believed that you were worthy of something, if you believed that people wanted to help you, you would have asked if you believed. So I, I think that if you're making choices based on a belief that isn't true, then it is not informed consent. So she believing that this was the only way to live, not informed consent. If she, am I, am I making sense now? You are. I think I think you're you're right on. Although I would say that yeah, nobody has perfect knowledge about all the possible options. But it's you're right true. that she she thinks that this is pretty much the only or the best way to live, and that's right. probably right. Not correct. Right. Right. I'm sure so. that that Big Daddy has told her like, hey, your do- your your mom, you know, killed herself because of what these gangsters in collusion with the police did. I don't believe in vengeance, so I don't think it's a good enough reason. But there's that. Well, that's what was driving Nick Cage. He wanted to to burn this mother down because of yeah and so therefore it was the wrong thing to do yeah mm, okay and again hurt people i mean think about that vengeance is it's never good right uh, i mean it, that's why a lot of people that argue the nep will talk about how you cannot carry justice out afterwards or it's a, still an act of aggression that's one of the arguments you guys have heard that one that if you you can do something to stop the aggression but you can't like let's say your daughter was raped and you found out about it, and then you went out and got the guy who did it or a woman that did it and then killed them, right? So a lot of people think that is actually against the NAP. There is a a circle of people that think that. And I can totally understand where they got that because um, 
And then there are other people so that think that um, basically that that but along the biblical line, right? So it's that's God's place to do that. And then that, but if where is the line if you think they're going to go out and hurt somebody else? So the woman that they killed because she smashed it, she was trying to defend herself. And I honestly think they should have just let her go. So I think it was too much. And I do think that showing the um, maniacal laughing when they squished that guy in his car, that was a key to me, right? Um, but I shouldn't take that seriously. These aren't real people. So <laughs> that's all I got to look at it. But, but you are right about that. I mean, if these are real actual people, then it'd be a shit show, right? Yeah, this would be a nightmare scenario. Yeah. But it's taken so lightly and it's so comic booky over the top that, yeah, it's just... Like the funny laugh. music in the background. Um, like... They're, they're playing adorable music and being super cute. And then they're like, she's saying the F word and then they're using their guns. I mean, they do that juxtaposition with the music not matching up what's actually happening. And they do that completely all the time in the movie. And just the mirroring of um, a villain in the making and a young superhero in the making. And, you know, I mean, that seemed to be a theme, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, well, jump on in here. I know you got well, thoughts. I, I do have some thoughts. Uh, I still you don't can call me out, by the way, anytime you think I'm wrong. Go argue with me, please. <laughs> well, I still don't think that this this uh, this movie is not improving for me as as we're discussing it. I'm not trying to talk you anything. <laughs> um, and we are actually already getting close to the end of the show, which is surprising because we've hardly talked about this movie. But um, Robert, are you familiar with the source material and then the overall arc of the story being told in the film? And are there any uh, issues that you have with it from the perspective that uh, you and I both share in many ways? Uh, perspective on changing the story? I, I'm not sure I followed with that, what you're talking about. But yeah, I am familiar with the uh, the actual Hit Girl or the um, Kick-Ass comic book and Kick-Ass 2. And then there's also a Hit Girl comic book, all done by Millar and Romita Jr. And I am, I've long been a fan of both both creators. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't remember how long it's been since I read those comics. It's been quite some time. They're all in a box somewhere in the storage. But um, I did appreciate that sequence where the flashback sequence that was written by or drawn by Romita Jr. Mm -hmm. for the, the movie. I don't think that was pulled straight from the comic book. I think they did that for the film, which was a nice touch. Yeah, that's his artwork. I, I That's like him at prime Romita Jr., which is nice. So that, that I enjoyed. Um, as far as any kind of deviations from the comic book source material, I can't, I can't, I think it was pretty, pretty faithful. I think it's pretty, not necessarily shot for shot, but definitely followed the storyline almost completely faithfully. So any issues you have with that? Did, uh, you may say that it didn't translate well to live action. And I could, I could see some of the things there. Like at the very end of the film, um, there's a bazooka shot which hits the main bad guy. And instead of exploding on impact, which is what bazooka shots do, and it would kill everybody in the room, it shoots the bad guy out the window in a way. And then explodes. Conveniently about two seconds later, then it explodes. Is this really considerate of the bazooka to only explode and kill the bad guy? That was really nice of it. That is very much a comic booky thing. And it, in live action, it looked ridiculous. And the jetpack was also stupid. Let's laugh about that for a minute. You guys. Yeah, the the jetpack with the really bad green oh. screen was, was pretty bad. Okay, it was so delicious. I loved every bit of it. I was like, ow, ow, ow. Okay. With the so, twin miniguns on his shoulders? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> okay, and she also had a grenade that she didn't use when she was out of bullets. Why? And then, mm. um, which was funny. And then another really funny thing was that he he's like, okay, come on, girl. And he rescues her with the jetpack after... He like they're all on their way out. And I'm like, 
how is he holding her? Because she's just hanging there. And I'm like, how is she just hanging there without holding on to him? Like, like she's going to die, you know? And they're just gallivanting around town with their jetpack. And then they land. And they make a big scene out of, like, bouncing down, which I'm laughing at. And then he just goes, clip, clip. <laughs> and then she's like, like, that would have, his clothes would have been coming off. He would have been, oh, my gosh, it was so bad and delish. Okay. See, what um, you say is bad and delish, I just say is bad. And uh, back to your point, Robert, um, I, I have not seen the comic or read the comic, but I can only suspect that the source material is is better because it puts you in like more of a, uh, you, you know what you're getting. Like, I, I guess they have more of the ability to set the scene and you know it's a comic. But in this movie, I felt like they're trying to be serious, but they're trying to be over the top, but they're trying to be ridiculous. They're trying to be kitschy and they're just trying to do too many different things that none of them really work. Uh, at least for me, I think maybe if I was familiar with the source material, then I would maybe have been more acclimated to it and maybe appreciated it a bit more, but coming into it cold, uh, it just, it just kind of falls apart. Um, so yeah, that's why I, I stand by my, um, two snaps down and uh, hated it. Well, this movie is very similar to say Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Have you seen that film, Daniel? I have not seen that film, but, uh, I, I feel like this is on the trailing edge of, of, like I was saying, uh, the forgetting Sarah Marshall and the super bads and things like that, where there, it, it seemed like a lot of the same, uh, actors were their types are in this mm -hmm. that clark duncan guy i've seen him in some stuff i think he was in hot tub time machine um the christopher mintz guy he's been in a bunch of stuff american horror story was yeah the other friend. okay yeah but they also remind me of like the super bads and like these um i don't even know did they have judd a name? nelson is it judd nelson is that his name i don't know you no, know the, know the guy that made the knocked up he made all those movies oh, oh judd, judd apatow oh, there we go that's his name yeah mm -hmm. it kind of has like that that flavor to it but um I don't know, maybe, maybe a bit too late or something like that. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of doing my final submarine review already. Uh, but well, I yeah, have I mean, a question for you then. Okay, let's go with the with this and final then, question, and then yeah, yeah. Can we? And then we'll just end it up. All right. So I wrote because I'm watching the son of the villain, and I said, "Is every villain just a hero with abuse and trauma?" Because he saw the fire and he runs in to save people. He ran in to save people. He has a hero's heart, the, the son of the villain. Okay. And I thought he was actually the bravest one uh, out of the two that obviously kick uh, the, the two that main heroes, like they obviously practice. Okay. But, but he was completely protected all the time. He ran in there to help people. And, and I just noticed that. And that was actually one of the most heroic moments. And then I realized because he's seeking approval and he's not feeling loved and accepted by his father. This is like a big deal. But then you look at the heroes and not the main character, but we, we look at uh, Nick Cage's character and he also has massive trauma so much that he has groomed his daughter to be a killing machine to avenge her mother's death, um, which is also really effed up. So are villains and heroes just picking a different team but doing the same thing? Is it like Magneto and um, Professor X? Is that what this is? Oh, okay. All right. An another layer of nuance here. It makes me maybe like it a little bit more, a hair more. Oh, uh, Robert, sorry. I was just watching a movie. <laughs> uh, Robert, is there, is there any, do you see any thread of what she's talking about in this? Absolutely. I do. I think it's a fantastic question. Good job, Raylene. Um, it's very much, a, I almost every time you know, villains and heroes are mirror images of themselves mm -hmm. almost all mm -hmm. the time. You got the dark, dark side and the light side and star Wars. You got, yeah, Magneto, Professor X, you got Glass and who's that whatever Bruce Willis was playing. Yeah. In that movie. Uh you got you got these um characters that are all broken 
Mm-hmm. And they are just seeking justice in the way that they see best see fit. And yeah, I think the Joker is out seeking justice. I think all these characters mm-hmm. are just out, like you said. Uh, it's a great insight. Thanks. Yeah, except when he becomes the motherfucker. He's definitely trying to be an evil person there. Well, that's maybe comedically. At, at the end? Uh, in, in the Kick-Ass 2, maybe? I haven't seen Kick-Ass 2. Oh, you haven't. Okay. All right. So but yeah, I'm going to a little bit. You can tell me anything about it. I you can't ruin a movie for me. If I'm gonna okay. like it, I'm gonna like it. So spoilers are, you know, uh Red Mist, of course, he he yeah. double crosses kick ass, even though he tries to save him after they get caught. You know, he's like, No, no, he's he's actually cool, and then they're taking him anyway. Yeah. But in um in Kick Ass Two, he uh he reinvents himself as a supervillain mm-hmm. called the motherfucker. And he, <laughs> okay, got it. He uh, tries to hire as many badass uh, ex-cons and evil people as possible to form an alliance or a team that's going to battle the teams of um, the the Justice Force or whatever they're called. Robert, you've seen this Kick-Ass 2, or at least you... It's been a while since I saw Kick-Ass 2. I don't remember. Sorry. It's got a terrible performance by Jim Carrey, who hasn't been good in like 10 years. Um, Supposedly, he's good in Sonic. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Well, maybe he's redeemed himself. But uh, Kick-Ass 2 is... um, also not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I was afraid of it being bad, so that's why I didn't watch it. And if you think this one's bad, then you know I mean, I know that the sequel's not gonna be awesome. Terminator two is in Wayne's World Two. I mean, they're okay. Yeah, Wayne's World Two I think is an improvement. And uh there's a there's a few movies where the second one is actually an improvement. Yeah. T two, better yeah. than Terminator. Though Terminator's very good, and then it's kind of downhill. Yeah. Terminator three does not count. And I want to like just take a Bowie knife and like just slit my throat when people say that Terminator Three is a good movie. Get out, okay? Get <laughs> is out. That the, is that the Rise of the Machines one? That's the one with a really great truck chase scene. It might be. It was the woman Terminator. The blonde. Yeah. And then they throw her out, and all of a sudden he comes out, and he goes, "She'll be back." I said, "Get out." I I got up and walked out of my living room, and I left my house. That's how pissed I was because Terminator means something to me. <laughs> Terminator Two is like my favorite movie, but you know, I know how you feel, Daniel, when you say you can't have more than one favorite like your daughter, but I do, and uh, I love that movie. But T two is best. Yeah, it's the best. All right, I have strong opinions about movies that don't really mean anything. Yeah. I think I think we're going to have to have you come back again, Raylene, and and we'll go from uh, when Harry met Sally to Terminator Two because you're you know you got a wide spectrum here. Yeah, <laughs> cover a lot of material. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's do final summary review. I've already kind of said most of my piece. Um, I'm I'm still not a big fan of this movie. I think that uh, maybe if you're familiar with the source material and it sort of prepares you for what you're about to see, then then maybe it'll make more sense. But I think as a standalone. Uh, it just tries to do too many different things and, and juxtapose a bit too much. Um, to, to your point earlier in that scene where Nick Cage uh, is trying to be like super friendly daddy and she's cussing and swearing, they're talking about weapons. I think that's meant to contrast and like be a comedic thing, but it just didn't work for me. Maybe in my old age, in my Grumpasaurus Rex uh, viewing, uh, hate watching this thing, it just didn't, didn't, <laughs> didn't do it for me. So I'm going to give a score of 3.5 on this. Oof. I, don't uh, don't suggest it, but uh, if you are a fan of this movie, and I know Raylene you are, then then I think you're obligated to watch Kick-Ass 2 and, and see the motherfucker in uh, all of his glory as Red Mist turns into this very evil, maniacal villain. That's what I get. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. All right, so uh, we'll go to Robert for your summary interview, your score, and then we'll go to Raylene for hers. Wonderful. Well, unlike, I, I'm shocked, Daniel. 3.5, that is, wow. I did not anticipate that. I... 
my favorite part in this whole movie is is Nick Cage. I, I loved him. Every time he says a line as Big Daddy, he delivers it in this over the top, like superhero voice that he does that I just couldn't help but love it every time he did it. And I assume that maybe you just hated it and that's and it, it wouldn't have hit you in the same way that it hit me. But I was okay with the big daddy lines, not when he was dad. Okay. So weird, goofy Norman Rockwell mustache, but with guns, Nick Cage, you were like, no. We're in, we're in the cow, the cap and cow. I think he was, he was like right. that in Peggy Sue got married. He had a weird voice too. Remember? Remember? No. I, I remember he was in that Sue? movie. Hey, Peggy Sue. He was gross. It was hilarious. Oh, that, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. Don't watch it. It's horrible. <laughs> and that was our show when Peggy Sue got married. Don't watch uh, it. It's terrible. Ghost Rider, also terrible. Well, Nick Cage is famously in a whole bunch of bad movies, but he also can he also can do some good stuff like The Rock. Hello, Raising Arizona. He's in some good stuff, and he also tends he can overreact, overact, and overreact, and he can also do really, really good like Leaving Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. You're right. He's Lord of Why was Lord of War his too? He was also in Lord of War, yeah, as an arms dealer guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, he's got it in him. He's got the chops. Just. And he 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 would I think he was perfect in this role. I I think it was good casting, good good acting, good directing for what they were trying to do. They were not trying to do Shakespeare here. They were trying to adapt an over the top comic book to the screen on a low budget with a bunch of I don't know, not even I mean I think this is Chloe Grace Moretz's first movie. She was just like some no name person mm -hmm. and then all the other actors are other than nick cage and then the main villain guy those two guys but he plays the main villain guy and also i can't imagine he's getting paid too much. anyway though uh like daniel said if you have an appreciation for the source material i think you probably enjoy this movie more than other people but i think i don't think Raylene Raylene has read the comic and she seemed to find all kinds of enjoyable things about the film so i can't really say where it might hit another person but for me it was a fun romp and that's all it really needed to be um, I think we got way deeper into the psychology of superheroes and parenting than I expected. And that makes me happy. So uh, Raylene always brings different angles to the show than two guys could. So I always appreciate that. But this movie for me was, uh, I'd say it's a good 7.2. It's a fun, it's not, it's not going to blow your doors off. It's not going to be one of your favorite movies of all time, but it's going to entertain you for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. And that's all it's trying to do. I felt like it was, um, Deadpool before Deadpool. Like yeah. he was trying to go that angle, but it didn't quite achieve it. I think Deadpool did achieve yeah. it. Uh, and and maybe I've been tainted. The well has been poisoned because I saw Deadpool before this one. And I saw this one trying to do that, even though it was before Deadpool. If that makes any sense. Deadpool can't funnier. defend your terrible opinion. Deadpool's Daniel. way better. So that's not your fault. You would have still picked Deadpool. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, Deadpool I, is hilarious. Yeah. So you just can't. But you but I agree. I think that you might have actually liked it better back then, to be completely honest. It was different and it was fun. And I think it was fresh. Do you, can I just jump in here, guys? Is it my turn? turn? Do it. OK, so um, uh, if you don't want to take a sleep and you like stabbing and kicking and punching and fighting and really fun, stupid little one liners. And I like things like this sometimes and so I, I really enjoyed um that they played with the ideas of a a child that would be super capable if trained and would like it i enjoyed that my favorite part actually about the entire movie 
is how they address the main character who is a teenage boy. And I think that our teenage boys in our in our, in our world in are feel so impotent. And I mean, ironically, also raging hormones and all that kind of stuff, which they did go into a lot, of course, right? So um, in the movie, but I don't think that our young men are taught to be men or that they're capable of being men or how um, they're allowed to. Um, we don't have freedom. And young men, you know, even Robert was talking about wanting to be a superhero. And, and I, for F's sake, wanted to be He-Man as a kid. I mean, every single day, I was raising up my sticks into this guy and talking about how, by the power of grade school, I did have the power. And I want you to know that my neighborhood boys told me that I was a girl and that they, I couldn't be He-Man and that I had to be She-Ra. And I told them to get off of my property because I could be He-Man whenever I wanted to be. And I was fine with all of us being He-Man because I'm very good at sharing, but they could piss off. Okay. So I think I also really loved having the power. Um, and, uh, I, I feel like I'm a just, I'm a just powerful person. So anyway, I, I do think that men are not allowed to be men in our society. And I, I'm going to piss off the feminists in this, but I think that a lot of young men don't have fathers at home, uh, far too many. I think that their fathers have not had good fathers. I think that they are not taught how to handle their feelings. They're not taught how to go out there and make things happen. Um, I really think that every young man needs to be able to actualize. They need to feel confident. You know, I was reading this book and um, it was it, it's a pretty good book. Uh, ben Weigold, uh, our producer for Last Office, was suggesting it. And it was talking about how men get their own identity. They, they find that mirror and what they need and the reflection in their father. And they get their self-esteem from their mother. And if a mom doesn't have good self-esteem, then they have a hard time giving their son good self-esteem because they need their son to feed them, right? They, they look to their children to feed their self-esteem. And the men, if they are not interacting with their children, then and they don't know who their and the ch- kids don't know who their dad is, then they don't know who they are. Okay. And so this is a really badass book about men being men. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll give you the title later for it. And uh for your show notes, because it is amazing talking about how to raise um, men need to feel powerful and they need to feel like they can do something they put their mind to. So that is why I like this movie, that they show a young man struggling. He has people. He's not all alone. He just doesn't know how to get out there and get it. Okay. He's feeling awkward. He, and, and I think that is the problem with all of these teenagers, teenage boys. I, I think that not all of them, but a lot of them. And and I think that taking action, I mean, how many of us would go out there and rescue people if we saw it? How many men would do that, right? And it's and when Robert mentioned how men w- want to be protectors, I absolutely agree. And I think that is 100% natural and honestly, it makes women swoon to hear that. So how are men supposed to be protectors? So, you know, we have to know what that means. You have to get out there and do it and sometimes it just means not harming. It means being a compassionate person. But I like that the main character had the determination to keep getting out there even though he got stabbed. I thought that was hot. I mean, I'm not into teenagers, but I think the idea is badass. And I like that. Okay, the end. Oh, uh, seven. All right. Seven. After <laughs> seven. Lengthy, lengthy final summary. And and I think when you watch Kick-Ass 2, maybe you will be into uh, 
this this uh, teenager because he's pretty ripped and kick ass too, and he's no longer a teenager. He's uh, he's a grown man now. No, thank you. No, he's <laughs> no. I got a man. Oh yeah, yeah. I know he's a good man too. He was uh, he was the uh, the other part of uh, the contagion episode we did a couple of what two months ago now something like yeah. that. So yeah, that that was a lot of fun. And, and thank you again for coming back on uh, this episode of the Last Nighters. Show notes tomorrow at 121, lastnighters.com slash 121. We'll have the show notes. I'm not sure what we'll put on there other than the book that you are going to uh, send my way and, and maybe whatever I dig up on the Kitty Jenny VC thing. Um, but uh, Robert, next week, we're going to vote for Pedro with Miguel Duque of Amagi Entrepreneurs for like a dollar an hour to talk about Napoleon mm. Dynamite. It's going to be good, good, good. It'll be fun to talk a little good. bit of geeky economics and uh, revisit that uh, very, very funny movie. Right. Yeah. We can answer the question. Do the chickens have large talents? Uh, I will uh, let you guys all know next week when we <laughs> return for that one. So uh, everyone, you can find Raylene uh, at blastoffshow.com and also on Twitter. She she threw her handle out there. She's uh, quite prolific on there. So do check it out. And also we will have her prior appearances with us on there as well. And if you want to support what we do here, give us a like, a subscribe, uh, send us emails, smoke signals, whatever. Um, you can also buy stuff at Trubster. Dot com. Robert's got a bunch of uh, t-shirts and other designs up on that. Uh, we have Patreon, of course, where we have bonus content, pre-show and post-show. And we're going to get into some post-show right after this that is called Kathleen Turner Overdrive. But I'll turn it over to Robert for the final word before we uh, do that. Well, I just had this mental image of me as a teenager eating some weird thing because I thought maybe this will be the thing that unlocks my mutant powers. Oh, <laughs> I don't I know how, you. how stupid and dorky that is. But I love you so much. You're the best. Oh my I gosh. L the men listen to the show, send your single ladies because <laughs> they are going to love him. I'm serious. Like he is the best. And I know he doesn't want to hear it. So he's just going to laugh right now. Very maniacal. Yes, I'm laughing and turning red. Thank you, Raylene. Appreciate that. Seriously, you are a catch, Robert. You're just the best. I just love you. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Like, I, I could oh, take some positive. If I knew girls good enough for you, I'd send them your way. I am serious. I'd be like, go get that guy. He's the best. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to put a stop to this. This is, this is going right. to go to bed. Say All goodbye. Right. All right. I, I like him too. I've known him for a long time. He's a good, he's a good dude. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone. Well, uh, we'll see you all next week for Napoleon Dynamite. Stick around for some Kathleen Turner Overdrive. For our Patreon supporter, check it out at lastnighter.com slash Patreon. Show notes some more lastnighter.com slash 121. You can also find it on the Launchpad Media where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at the launchpadmedia.com and you'll find Raylene and Johnny Rocket show on there as well. We'll say goodnight from last night, everyone. Peace out. All right, and uh, what's the thing that they would say? Oh, psych! Back when this movie came out, uh, that was a big thing that people would say after they would say something kind of crazy, and then they'd go, psych, just kidding. Um, so, yeah, it's not actually the end of the show because we could do a little more actual Anarchy podcast at the end here. Uh, but I did think of a, a question to ask, or, or actually a point that was brought up, and that was uh, from you, Raylene, um, in that raising the daughter to be this lethal killer. Um, I have two daughters, and because of you know this coronavirus situation, um, we are more prepped and more defensive-minded here. Mm -hmm. And so I've been carrying uh, more, and I have this new um, Urban Carry G3 holster, which you, you guys can all buy on our affiliate link at lastnarrows.com slash G3. It's super awesome. I'm wearing it right now, and, and 
it's very comfortable. But because I'm now wearing it, I've had to make my kids aware of it and teach them about safety and how to respect it. And yes. Uh, certain, you know, things about it, like if you ever see it out, don't ever touch it. Um, I always I will have it on me or locked up, but I also want them to be familiar with it, to know about it rather than be mm-hmm. curious about it. Uh, so in a way I am training them, but I'm also trying to do it in such a way to where they'll know like situationally when to not use it or when to not, you know, do certain things. Like I make it very clear to them that it's only for defensive purposes and only when there's immediate danger and things like that. So in a way they're getting, um, Maybe not the degree of training that Big Daddy was doing in this, but they are getting a little bit of real world exposure to being able to have a defensive capacity. And and we've talked about, you know, taking them for training at, at the range when they're of age uh, to be appropriate for them, you know, maybe in. I don't know, five, 10 years, something like that when they're, you know, young teens, something along those lines. But uh, Robert, um, you, you know, my kids, uh, do you have a reaction to any of that? I mean, it just seems like a, a brief little discussion we can have here at the end before we get into the casting turnover drive. Well, it used to be that every kid, you know, would get a little, well, I don't know, at least the little boys would get their little Red Rider BB guns and they'd take out their dog and they'd go out in the woods and shoot, shoot it, their eyes out, squirrels and stuff like that. And then as they got a little bit older, their dad would buy them a rifle. And I don't know, at what point do you think you're going to have them start shooting? How old do you think they need to be? Uh, at least a few more years. I mean, um, there's almost seven and five. So I'm thinking, you know, 12 ish, probably be good. 10, you're going to wait till 12? Really? Well, when did I mean, you wait, well, how, how old was, was your, when, when you started running? Oh, definitely was shooting BB guns early. I mean, seven, maybe before, but my dad always did it. He would let me once in a while with him when I was really little. I remember doing that little, like before five with sitting with him, but it was a BB gun and we'd shoot it out into the yard from the, from the kitchen, from the, <laughs> the sliding glass door. Right. And, um, that and then I really liked watching him fill it all up and do the BBs and cleaning it all out and doing all that kind of stuff. So I think the more they see you handling it, but talking about why it's so dangerous, because little girls are going to have empathy more and understanding more than boys sometimes when they're at that age, right? So little girls are safe because they're not going to go get into your guns. Um, little boys are usually different. It's the they just don't think about the consequences in the same way. And little girls, like they would not, they don't want to displease daddy. In the same way, usually. I have one that's a little wilder, right? So, you know, I mean, I'm just talking about the majority. And then also the the idea of somebody dying and never living here again, they understand that on some level and that would scare them. So they wouldn't want to touch it. So um, I, I think there's nothing wrong with showing them how to be safe with it. Just always, every time you handle it, talk about how you're doing this because it's safer to this and you point it at the floor because this is safer and then you don't put your finger on the trigger because like, so I personally think they're going to be a lot more aware um, of people who aren't using them safely also if you're teaching them that now. Um, Because I, what I love about people who are gun enthusiasts is they are the first one to yell at somebody on a Facebook picture about how their where their hand placement and their safety. I mean, they immediately call it out. They are so safety oriented, and I think that's a really cool um, thing to do. I don't know. Am I wrong? I mean, no, you can not, tell me I'm wrong. No. You're not wrong, and and it you know being aware of these rules and and uh, how to handle a firearm safely it it ruins a lot of movies and TV shows for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially like movie posters because they're <laughs> pointing them at things that they're will. Yeah, and then every by the way, everything's a teaching moment for your kids. So that's what you should be doing. 
every time they see somebody with a gun, anytime in a movie, because eventually they're going to be seen like some, like even a cop or something, you know, like you just always talk about weapon safety, any chance you can get with them. And you are like, wow, this is really irresponsible. This could happen, blah, blah, blah. And that way it just gets their brain trained to pay attention to what is safe and what's not safe. I mean, that's what I would think. Yeah. It seems like there's plenty, there's no lack of teachable moments watching today's media. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is why we have the show that we have. So, uh, and this uh, this can be the conclusion of this show, uh, mm-hmm. which we had with our kick-ass guest, Raylene, where we kicked ass on this movie, or at least I kicked its ass, and you guys actually liked it. We um, kissed I, its ass. And you guys kissed mm-hmm. its ass, brown nosers. I gave it a 3.5. <laughs> Better uh, than a brown shirt. <laughs> well, uh, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll be back next week for Napoleon Dynamite. We're going to get into some Kathleen Turner Overdrive right after these messages. So we will just say uh, maximum freedom, everyone, and uh, live free or die harder or something like that, whatever that Bruce Willis third movie is. Um, We'll have to do some more diehards, I think. Anyway, Raylene, thanks again, and uh, peace out, everyone. Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 do